Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Air Warrior podcast, bringing you all the news and key talking points from military aviation, from deployments and exercises to attrition and procurement. I'm your host, Richard Thomas, and this week we're going in-depth on Exercise Strike Warrior as HMS Queen Elizabeth works up ahead of its departure to more distant shores. Kiero's aviation experts will provide a detailed analysis of the capabilities embarked on the carrier and some insight into the main talking points from this very early stage of a landmark deployment. The news this week. But before all of that, let's take a look at some of the military aerospace headlines from the past week. Despite only beginning operational training in March this year, the UK's Maritime Airborne Surveillance and Control Capability, otherwise known as Crow's Nest, is expected to leave service by 2029 and be replaced by an as-yet-unknown sensor and platform combination. Crow's Nest is currently fitted to the Merlin HM2 helicopters in a configuration similar to the capability fielded by the Legacy Seeking aircraft. Releasing details of a Crow's Nest replacement program on May the 11th, the UK's Defence and Security Accelerator invited industry to present ideas under its Maritime Early Warning Innovations Competition, phase one of which has seen £1.25 million in funding allotted, with a maximum of £250,000 awarded for each funded proposal. The release stated that the current assumption for a follow-on to Crow's Nest would see a single large radar sensor mounted on an unmanned platform. And just weeks after their delivery to Eglin Air Force Base in Florida, the US Air Force's first two Boeing F-15 EX Eagle IIs took to Alaskan skies for Exercise Northern Edge 21, which was held from May the 3rd to the 14th. The two aircraft involved in the exercise were delivered to the US Air Force in March and April respectively. In a May 5 press release, the service noted that the purpose of the F-15 EX's participation in Northern Edge is to allow for immediate deep-end testing in a complex jamming environment to gather essential test data for what works and what needs improvement. In total, the US Air Force intends to acquire 144 examples of the Eagle II from Boeing. These aircraft will be used to replace the Air Force's aging Boeing F-15CD Eagle fighter fleet, which boasts an average age of more than 37 years. And finally, an MD Helicopters MD-530F Cayuse Warrior light attack utility helicopter belonging to the Afghan Air Force has been written off after crashing in Kandahar province on May the 10th. The aircraft crashed before dawn in the Argistan district of Kandahar province. While the cause of the crash has yet to be determined, the incident reportedly occurred while the platform was attempting to conduct an emergency landing. There were no fatalities as a result of the incident, although both of the onboard crew members were injured during the crash. Air Force's intelligence data states that as of May the 13th, 2021, the Afghan Air Force currently maintains an active fleet of 43 MD-530 FQC warriors. The type has been operational with the Air Arm for six years, with the first six helicopters being inducted into Afghan service on April 11th, 2015. And that is the news. Let's turn now to the modern military aviation team at Key Aero. And that means a warm welcome to group editor Alan Warns and assistant editor Calum Chapman to talk all things Strike Warrior and the aviation package that's sitting on the deck of HMS Queen Elizabeth and its escort. Hello to you both. Hi, Richard. So we're back in the carrier business finally after a break of uh, over 10 or 11 years. And it's it's great. It was a pretty exciting day on the May the 1st when we saw the... Uh, the new aircraft carrier, HMS Queen Elizabeth, leave uh, Portsmouth for sea. And uh, the next two weeks, it was then involved in Exercise uh, Strike Warrior, which would have seen the uh, boat, or sorry, the ship, having its defences uh, tested, as well as the uh, 
Combat Strike Group 21. It's a pretty exciting time for military aviation in the UK. We, uh, in the lead up to the, the, the Queen Elizabeth leaving Portsmouth, we saw uh, VMFA 211 bring over 10 of its F-35Bs for the uh, deployment. It's not the first time the carrier's been here. Sorry, the unit's been here. They deployed to RF Marham last uh, September and then flew on to the carrier along with 6.7 Squadron, the Dambusters, in, in October for a, a period of workup. And that was the first time that the CSG-21 had been to sea. It was a good time. And I happened to chat, chat to... Lieutenant Colonel Joseph Freshour, the CEO of the MFA 211 afterwards, and he did say that it was a pretty seamless integration between the two units. Uh, he told me that back in October that uh, the two F-35 units uh, were there to test and strain the systems on the Queen Elizabeth, so when it went to its first operational tour, everything would be fine. Yeah, so uh, it's a pretty exciting time, as I've said. What, what did you have to say on it, Caelan? Yeah, it definitely is. It's one of those sort of opportunities for the UK to demonstrate its, you know, its returning capabilities, which have taken a decade to prepare. They're deploying with a very comprehensive package, um, boasting a hell of a lot of new um, equipment and capabilities within its air wing and its uh, surface vessels, respectively. It's a long cry from when the HMS Ark Raw was was uh, prematurely retired back in in 2010, when uh, the fleet air arm seemed to be disappearing and everything was going. The Harriers were going, the Sea Kings were going, and now we have a brand new fleet air arm inventory. It is really good, and the Royal Navy must be very happy. You've got the uh, the Wildcats now deployed with their new new missiles, weapons, the, the Talis Martlet and the MBDA C Venom both bring great uh, characteristics and will be able to protect the, the ship against uh, not just shipborne capabilities, but also from swarming of UAVs and also uh, suicide boats. Uh, maybe you, do you want to chat about uh, the Martlet, Caelan? Yeah, sure. So essentially, it was commissioned by the MOD under the future air-to-surface guided weapon requirement, um, the light one, the Royal Navy are going to end up getting 1,000-plus examples over the duration of the uh, service life. But they're, they're equipped to the Wildcats that have to be modified to, uh, to carry them. So they've got now little stub wings, which I think are aesthetically pleasing to the eye. But on an operational um, basis, they can carry up to 16 of them, which are going to be very, very um, important if the carrier group does come into uh, contact with unmanned surface vessels or small merchant ships. For sure. I mean, the, the, the capabilities that have been integrated to, to Wildcat is specifically to provide that um that counter to swarming tactics, isn't it? Whether it be aerial or, or at surface base. I just want to ask a question, just contend it really, is that how ready is this overall airing? You've got limited surface strike from the F-35 platforms and limited airborne surveillance because the crow's nest is what? At baseline operational capability, which means it's got some limitations, a lot of limitations. 
as to how it can be utilized. So, I mean, it sounds great on paper. It really does. But in practice, how capable is it? I think it's uh, true that they're probably still tweaking the the software on uh, Crow's Nest whilst it's uh, currently at sea just to get the capability right up to speed. But it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great asset to have on board. The five crow's nest Merlins will be able to provide the uh, CSG 21 and the carrier itself, some airborne protection or surveillance. It will take off, fly out to a certain distance and then check for all threats and will be able to advise the CSG-21 of anything that might come into the area which could be of suspect so that everyone could go to action stations if indeed it was a suspected uh, aircraft or even a riff or boat or anything that could be a threat from the sea. Um, It's worth noting that Crow's Nest only entered operational service March 21st, 2021. So although it's going on this deployment, it's very, very new, and I doubt it has had any real time to prove itself in exercises or um, ahead of this deployment. So this is a real test for the Crow's Nest system. No doubt about that. But, but the, back to the, the Wellcat there, uh, Richard. I mean, it's also got the Thales uh, Martlet lightweight multi-role missile, which is a, is a great for asymmetric targets. And, and the Sea Venom anti-ship missile, has a range of about 20 kilometers, uh, which is about 12 miles for us in Imperial, and it will be used against any short-range sea threats. But it doesn't have a long-range anti-ship missile, although I guess there will be a P-8 flying overhead often during the, the cruise because the, 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 the CSG-21 will undoubtedly be going to some dangerous areas, which it needs to be fully aware of. Am I right in thinking that there isn't a long-range surface strike missile um, in the munition store on HMS Queen Elizabeth for the F-35s? Um, long-range service to air-to-surface. Air-to-surface, yeah. Um, we've got the we've got Brimstone, which it will use, and Paveway 4. But the Americans will, the F-35Bs of VMFA-211 will have their own precision-guided munitions, they won't use brimstone, that's for sure. I suppose they probably don't have any anti-ship missiles at present, no. Yep. Um, yep. The UK ones especially. No, we have no long-range anti-shipping missile from Airborne One, uh, and that's something the Australians have started looking at now with with the Kongsberg NSM. Um, I'm not too sure what the UK is thinking of going into the future. I don't think they have a programme of record at the moment looking at that capability. Talk to me then both about the the integration of these two uh, F-35 wings, one from Marine Corps and one from, I'm going to get it wrong, the RAF, I hope so. Um, So talk to me about the, I don't know, the the significance of it because these are truly integrated, it's it's a truly integrated UK-US fighting force which is pretty unique in terms of military aviation. Yeah, it is. Well, just, just correct you there. It's not an RAF uh, unit. It's a RAF badge, but it's manned by a Royal Navy and uh, RAF personnel. And I'm sure the Royal Navy would be pleased to, that we mentioned that. But yeah, um, BMFA 211 uh, joined HMS Queen Elizabeth last October on a short cruise, but 
one of the reasons why it went on there before before that testing cruise was because it had gained a lot of experience during 2018, 2019, flying from the USS Essex, operations over Iraq, over Syria and Afghanistan when it was dropping weapons against the Islamic State and many of its allies. And so it brought a lot of experience to the Queen Elizabeth when it came on board to work with 617 Squadron. And 617 Squadron would have learned a lot from the way to operate with the, the unit. And in fact, the uh, 617 Squadron does have a US Marine Corps exchange officer on board who would have also assisted with the integration of the US Marine Corps with the UK F-35 units. But when I spoke to Lieutenant Colonel Fredshauer and uh, Wing Commander, uh, I've forgotten his name now, anyway, <laughs> early this year, they uh, they told me that it, it worked well. They stressed the systems well together last year. Uh, they flew mixed packages together. So there was uh, a couple of US Marine Corps F-35s working with uh, 617 Squadron F-35s. But when I asked, did you have US Marine Corps pilots flying UK F-35s and vice versa, that didn't happen. But mm. it, it went as well as, as expected. And it would be basically one team, one team of uh, 18 or so F-35Bs on board. Largest deployment of fifth-generation um, fighters ever at sea. Yeah, since uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth went to sea last October. <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Indeed. So, listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Daesh uh, airstrikes or against Islamic State um, because the MOD is obviously – prior to this deployment, announced that these F-35s embarked on on the QE um, will be conducting strikes against uh, Daesh, I think, of, over, over, over Syria. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that, because I don't think there's any tactical benefit in making that announcement. So you have to ponder the reasoning behind it. So what's your thoughts about <laughs> giving, giving people some forewarning that these things are going to be used over that airspace? Well, I think it's, uh, it's great for the, the military that uh, they're being seen to be fighting Daesh, uh, Islamic State. But you've got to remember that it's not the first time the British F-35s have been involved in uh, strikes against Daesh. They were also operating from Cyprus in uh, 2019 for a couple of months when they did strike Daesh then. So it won't be the first time they've done it, but it will be very interesting to see them uh, and hear of them operating against Daesh from the aircraft carrier. It's also a capability demonstration. Um, you know, they've thrown this into the mix in the midst of um, exercises and port visits to India, South Korea, Japan, to sort of say, look, this might be our first deployment, but we're able to go into combat. We can prove that. We can prove the carrier is capable of launching and recovering aircraft into a combat situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that's definitely the case that it's a capability demonstration. I wonder about the people on the ground over which these these aircraft will be uh, operating, where they feel happy to be part of a capability demonstration on on the the uh, part of the UK and US um, armed uh, forces. Um, I guess just kind of finally, sort of closing this this whole this whole strike warrior um, exercise off. I mean, what's the next steps beyond strike warrior? What do you think the Queen Elizabeth is going to be doing beyond that in the very near term? Well, exercise strike warrior is actually taking place now, and what's happening is the Queen Elizabeth 
and the whole CSG is being having its defences tested, and there'll be aviation assets like the Hawk T1s from uh, the 736 Naval Aviation Squadron, the Navy's Hawk unit, who will be simulating missiles coming in, and they'll and they'll be tracked and detected. Hopefully, or they should be. There'll be Dassault twenties also jamming the systems to the best that they can. Uh, and there'll be NATO fighters also trying to get in and breach the air defences. So it, it's pretty exciting times for the uh, CSG-21. And at the end of that, the command will be handed over to a, 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 new, a new person and it will head off on its first deployment out of UK waters and the uh, first operational deployment. It's very exciting. Mm. And that deployment, I mean, the next step, I mean, it's a 28-week deployment, so they're going to be away until Christmas time. But the next step will be probably Atlantic Trident, um, where they will probably link up with Charles de Gaulle, um, the French Navy carrier, in the Med. Uh, after that, while they're in the Med, they'll be supporting Shader ahead of, you know, progressing through the Suez Canal to the Red Sea, um, through to Indian uh, sort of territories where there is an exercise planned with the Indian Navy, but whether it's with its carrier, the Vic Ram Aditya, um, I don't know how to pronounce that apparently, um, but we're not sure if uh, if that's going to be part of the exercise. Um, it's then expected to go to Singapore through uh, to port. Then it will travel through the South China Sea, which will be an interesting thing to follow, um, where it will then visit Japan and South Korea, um, where port visits are further expected, um, and then it will retrace its steps home. Absolutely. That's INS Vikram Aditya, of course. Um, and yeah, just, just for our listeners, um, uh, please do check out the Kiera website because Calum uh, is sort of spearheading this coverage of uh, CSG 21, we will be covering, or he, he he and we will be covering this entire deployment over the next six years. So if you ever want to catch up on the latest updates, head over to the Key Aero website for the latest news. Alan, you had a little bit more for us, I think, on the USS Iwo Jima, which is apparently in and around UK waters, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, it's been off the West Coast for a while. In fact, uh, several of the helicopters, the H-53s and the Ospreys, uh, actually came to the UK, uh, Oakhampton, in the middle of April. Quite surprised us all, but it was very nice to see them there. Uh, then they uh, dropped off some troops, then came back and picked them up again and took them back. We also had a couple of their Ospreys flying to Mildenhall to uh, bring parties of VMFA 211 out to the uh, Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier. So they've been pretty busy. Now they've headed back down into Rota for a, a bit of a break and for some uh, maintenance on the Iwo Jima, and it's back up again this way, participating in Strike Warrior Stroke Joint Warrior, a very big exercise that will be taking place, is taking place now. I must um, add that a, uh, an Osprey is a tilt rotor, um, not a helicopter, just for our more avid listeners. Watch out a couple of tilt rotors joining the uh, Queen Elizabeth strike group uh, at some point during the deployment. Probably probably wishful thinking there, I think. It does depend because um, ships from Australia and uh, the US Navy will join the carrier strike group um, when it progresses to the South China Sea. So 
there will be more ships joining it along with the nine it already has. Absolutely. Okay. Well, watch this space, everyone. We're going to have to leave it there. Very interesting conversation. Thanks very much. Uh, Many thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit the Key Aero and Air International websites. You can also find out more about the deployment of the Iwo Jima in the July edition of Combat Aircraft Journal. But for now, from all of us here, we'll see you next week. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.